Sam is a 57-year-old woman who comes to her office about lower extremity edema. She's in great health, doesn't take any medications, and exercises regularly, so she's really confused as to why this is happening. On exam, Sam's blood pressure is 124 over 78, and she has symmetric lower extremity edema. You do not hear an S3 or pulmonary rails. The remainder of her exam is normal. You do a urine dipstick in your office lab, it shows 3 plus protein and is otherwise unremarkable. What is the likely cause of Sam's edema? How will you explain her current status? Hi and welcome to Audio Breaks. My name is Alex Dennis and this is the break on the physiology of glomerular filtration. Let's begin. At the end of this episode, you'll be able to 1. Describe the ultrastructure of the renal corpuscle and the structure and function of the filtration barrier, including charge and size selectivity. 2. Describe the mechanism of glomerular filtration and how the ultrafiltrate is generated. 3. Discuss the importance of negative charges on the basement membrane of the filtration barrier. And 4. Define the glomerular filtration rate, abbreviated GFR, state its normal value, and briefly outline how it is regulated. To say that our kidneys work hard is an understatement. Take the sheer volume of fluid they handle each day, for example. Our bodies typically contain about 3 liters of plasma, which is the fluid part of the blood, and those 3 liters of plasma pass through the kidney not once, not twice, but 60 times each day. Obviously, there has to be some sort of a process for letting some of that fluid pass into the urine while keeping most of it within the blood. This process is called filtration, and it is the focus of our discussion here. Part 1. What are the renal corpuscle and the glomerulus? To understand what the renal corpuscle and glomerulus are, let's start by looking at the structure of the kidney. Imagine what you'd see if you dissected the bean-shaped organ from top to bottom. The outer area you'd see is the cortex, and it surrounds the inner area called the medulla. Now, the functional unit of the kidney is called the nephron, and there are one million of those in each kidney. It's basically a long tube that is twisted in all sorts of complex ways so that we let out the right amount of water with all the bad stuff and none of the good stuff. In this episode, we're going to focus on the part where the fluid enters the tube. The tube begins with a crescent that surrounds a coiled bed of capillaries. The crescent is called Bowman's capsule, and the capillary bed is called the glomerulus. One glomerulus and its surrounding Bowman capsule make up the renal corpuscle. The glomerulus is basically a tuft of capillaries that protrude into the surrounding Bowman's capsule. Blood comes in through the afferent arterial and moves through the glomerular tuft, producing an ultrafiltrate that enters Bowman's base. What blood remains that didn't enter the nephron passes out through the efferent arterial to rejoin the rest of the circulation. Meanwhile, the ultrafiltrate travels through the tubule, moving between the cortex and medulla, where it undergoes reabsorption, secretion, concentration, and dilution, eventually forming the final urine. Let's think about that again. There's filtration, and then you can only change that filtrate by either reabsorbing some of its components or secreting new ones into it. Pretty simple, right? The collecting duct 
takes the urine back into the medulla and into the calluses to eventually move down through the ureters and into the bladder. Part 2. What is glomerular filtration? Glomerular filtration is a tightly regulated process that selectively filters out particles based on their charge and size. Cells and large proteins are retained in the circulation, while water, ions, small substances like glucose, and many waste products are filtered into the tubule. Again, blood comes in through the afferent arterial and percolates through the glomerulus, creating a tubular fluid, or ultrafiltrate, in the Bowman capsule. Generating this ultrafiltrate is a highly selective process that allows your body to remove waste products from the body into the urine and to keep the blood cells and proteins it wants to retain. If your body didn't keep proteins in the plasma, there would be no way to create an oncotic pressure required to keep fluid in your blood vessels. This is why when people lose too much protein in their urine, such as in nephrotic syndrome, they start to develop edema. Let's review all of that with a question. What is the corpuscle made of? The renal corpuscle is made of the glomerulus, which is the capillary bed, and the Bowman capsule, which is the proximal end of the nephron, or in simple terms, where the tube begins. The key to filtering out the right blood contents depends on a highly selective filtration barrier. And that's why there's three parts to the barrier that must be crossed for the plasma to make it inside the tubule. The three parts of the barrier are the capillary endothelium, which is part of the capillaries, and then the glomerular basement membrane, abbreviated GBM, and the podocytes, or the visceral epithelial cells, which are part of the Bowman capsule. Let's go through each of these parts, starting with the endothelial cells. The pores between the capillary endothelial cells, which are called fenestrations, are sized so that cells cannot exit the capillary, but everything else can. The next barrier does a little more. The glomerular basement membrane prevents some proteins from getting through based on their size and charge. The intact glomerular basement membrane prevents the passage of large proteins into Bowman's base. It also prevents the passage of negatively charged proteins, but not proteins with a neutral or positive charge, because the GBM contains heparin sulfate, which has a negative charge, and like charges repel each other. Since most proteins are large particles, they can't get through the GPM into the urine based on their size, regardless of their charge. Large, negatively charged proteins are not filtered through the glomerulus based on both their size and charge. The most important of these proteins is albumin, a negatively charged protein and the most abundant serum protein. More than 99% of proteins is prevented from passing through the GBM into the tubular fluid. In contrast, some small, positively charged proteins like immunoglobulin chains do pass through the GBM and appear in the tubular fluid, but they're rapidly reabsorbed in the proximal tubule so they too are not lost in the urine. The final layer is the podocytes, which have gaps between them with negatively charged diaphragms that present a final barrier to the passage of negatively charged proteins. Taken together, the three glomerular barriers keep us from excreting most of our serum proteins. If you're still following along, it should make sense to you that if you see protein in a patient's urine dipstick, that means there has been damage to the glomerular barrier. There should be no proteins in the ultrafiltrates to begin with. The urine dipstick is most sensitive to negative proteins, so it mostly detects albumin. 
seeing albumin in the urine, as it happens in the kidney disease of diabetes mellitus, is very suggestive of a disrupted basement membrane. Let's pause here for a question. What is the visceral epithelium of the renal corpuscle composed of? The visceral epithelium is composed of podocytes. Part 3. What is the glomerular filtration rate and why is it important? The glomerular filtration rate, or GFR, is the rate of formation of glomerular filtrate via the process we just discussed. The normal value depends on your age and body size, but generally ranges from 80 to 120 milliliters every minute. Another quick estimate is 140 minus your age. The GFR is measured by a variety of formulas, all of which use the serum creatinine concentration as a marker. The higher your serum creatinine, the lower your GFR. In general, it indicates some form of kidney disease that affects glomerular filtration. The lower the GFR, the worse the disease, so patients with a GFR of less than 10 often need dialysis or kidney transplantation because of the lack of filtration. Regulation of the GFR is complex. It is regulated by factors both inside and outside the kidney, including renal blood flow, the hydrostatic pressure of the glomerular capillaries, and the oncotic pressure, i.e. the osmotic pressure induced by proteins, in the glomerular capillary. For one, renal blood flow is important because the higher the flow, the higher the GFR. That makes sense if you keep in mind that a certain fraction of blood that goes through the capillary bed gets filtered in. Then, an increased hydrostatic pressure in the glomerular capillary increases the GFR, forcing more fluid through the filter. That increases the fraction filtered. This is regulated by the constriction or dilation of the arterioles supplying and draining the glomerulus, the afferent and efferent arterioles, respectively. Finally, increased oncotic pressure in the glomerular capillary decreases the GFR, because it increases the oncotic pressure that keeps the blood in the capillary. Increased oncotic pressure might occur with dehydration, a good thing since in that situation we would want to hold on to our water, not filter it. Note that the capillary hydrostatic and oncotic pressures are elements of the Starling forces, a name given to the four forces that act to move fluid in and out of a capillary. We don't usually include the Bowman space hydrostatic and oncotic pressures in discussing glomerular filtration because they are very low in normal conditions. Bundled together, these mechanisms allow the kidney to auto-regulate the GFR so that it stays relatively steady even when blood pressure increases or decreases. In chronic kidney disease, the GFR is used as a measure to determine the amount of damage that has been done to the kidney. This can inform a clinician when dialysis or renal transplant needs to be considered. And that's all I have for you today on the physiology of glomerular filtration. Let's see if we hit all of the important parts. What is the renal corpuscle? The renal corpuscle is a complex structure made of the glomerulus and Bowman capsule that allows the filtration of blood into the urine. Next, what are the three components of the glomerular selective filter? The three components are the capillary endothelial cell pores, the glomerular basement membrane, and the podocytes, which are the visceral epithelial cells. What types of proteins does the GBM prevent filtration of? 
the glomerular basement membrane of the glomerulus has a negative charge and size selectivity. Therefore, it will filter out large proteins with a negative charge, but not smaller proteins with a neutral or positive charge. What is the approximate value of a normal GFR? A normal GFR is about 80 to 120 milliliters per minute and decreases in many kidney diseases. Finally, what are the two main starling forces that influence GFR? Those would be the hydrostatic and oncotic pressures of the glomerulus. Remember that GFR is regulated by an interaction of those starling forces with the renal blood flow and the constriction of the afferent and efferent arterioles. Armed with your newfound knowledge, let's think back to our patient from the beginning of the episode. Sam, a 57-year-old woman, is healthy, works out, takes no medication. But she's presenting with lower extremity edema. Her exam is normal except for 3 plus protein on urine dipstick. How do you explain her current status? You recall the two processes that lead to edema, increased hydrostatic pressure and decreased oncotic pressure. Based on your physical exam and lab work, you determine that Sam's lower edema is from decreased oncotic pressure due to urinary losses of protein. You explain to Sam that her kidneys are leaking protein into the urine and protein is necessary to hold fluid in the blood vessels. In Sam's case, negatively charged albumin is lost via leaky glomerular basin membrane. You refer her to a kidney specialist for further evaluation. And that's a wrap on the physiology of glomerular filtration. You have the first part of your information down. And now it's time to go on to another episode to learn about reabsorption and secretion. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Your feedback is super helpful to us. You can also get the full RxBricks experience online at www.usmle-rx.com. I will catch you on the next one. Take care.